Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. A member of the industry syndicate. This is where success happens. Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. Here's your host, Todd Duncan. How are you feeling, Linda? How am I feeling? I am, I have just a crazy mix of emotions today. You know, it's been so much fun. What an amazing event. Um, obviously, a little sad that it's ending. A little ready to go home um, to see the, <laughs> see the grandkids, forget the kids. Um, and then um, the... Um, but just excited about, you know, the opportunities that we've shared this week. Yeah. I mean, that, what, how cool is that? That we, You know, we change lives, and that is bottom line. We may teach about mortgages, but I truly feel that what Sales Mastery is about is we change lives. Yeah. And yeah. that is the coolest thing for me. Yeah, sure is. One, one of the things that I'm jacked up about is uh, I've probably had 50 people at some place or another during the last three three days or so that have come up and thanked me for renewing their passion uh, about the business, right? And I think one of the, the beauty beauties of having a, a team panel up here is part of how you can remain passionate about the business is to recognize that it doesn't all have to fall on your back. And in fact, it shouldn't. So if we go all the way back to Tuesday night and we talk about, you know, that first idea for breakthrough is staying in your lane. One of the best ways to stay in your lane is to look at what you can do to insulate all the other things that have to happen from your lane so that other people that are capable and, and dialed in uh, can help you achieve that. So let's jump into this and uh, who, do you, who do we want to start Scott with? Scott goes first. Good. Okay. All right. So Scott is with New American Funding and Scott runs a, um, a pretty uh, large team. Um, and his, he believes strongly in hiring in front of demand. And I know we've talked about that several times in the event, um, but he is a big, strong believer in that. So we've asked him um, a little bit about how, that, um, how do you do that. But the thing I love best about Scott and his team is every person has one job. And so he's going to talk a little bit about what that means because I, I thought that was like the best. So, all right, yeah, Scott, so, so oh, go get, ahead. get to your notes because the idea of hiring in advanced <coughs> demand is one of the keys to have your psychological impact know that you have capacity to, to grow. And the other, and this could be one of the biggest breakthroughs, I think, in team management, team building. We always talk about the 80-20 rule and most of us ignore it and it slaughters us, right? And so when you get your head around the 80-20 rules, a single originator, that's really powerful. When you start to realize that you can have that same ideology around your team and your team could end up spending 80, 90% of their day on one thing, that's when it starts to light up. So you're on a tear this year. You guys are going to roll for about 150 million bucks. And uh, uh, talk about, talk about uh, the Scott Groves growth curve and the teams and all that you've done to make it happen. So thanks for having me so much, Todd. Uh, you know, I sat down kind of accidentally, quite frankly, six or seven years ago with Todd, and he gave me some ideas of higher ahead of demand. And uh, first, you know, I want to say thank you to everybody in this room, because it's the last day of the event, 8 o'clock in the morning. I was up taking a run this morning at 6 o'clock, and the gym was packed with loan officers. The walkway was packed with loan officers running. So, you know, you guys are really the rock stars that are going to be up here pretty soon, because you're taking your business seriously. Like, you're showing by coming to this great 
event that you're willing to invest in your business. And I think one of the next ways or additional ways you can invest in your business is just that idea of hire ahead of demand. And uh, I always like to say, I want to be the lowest paid person at the company, but I just want to do the most volume so I make the most money. And I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but you know, starting six or seven years ago when all of us were struggling and I probably couldn't afford to bring on that first person, Todd talked me into doing it because we agreed that that was gonna be the only way to grow the business and grow our piece of the pie. So you know, back when I was probably like many of you living on a friend's couch trying to make sure that I kept all my properties that were underwater, uh, I hired somebody that I couldn't really afford and it catapulted my business to the next level. Uh, and this is six years ago. So now fast forward and uh, I have a real business partner, 50-50 business partner named Justin Bale, great guy. We kind of split our time working our pipeline, our uh, management, our coaching of the team. We've got three people that work just on our production and then we manage about another 12 loan officers that do their own business and it doesn't roll up to us. And the idea that we've developed on the team is, you know, in the mortgage industry, whether you're a sole producer or whether you're running a team of 100 people, it's very, very easy to start passing the buck, right? So a deal starts to go sideways a day, a week, or a month into escrow. It's really easy to have that cancer spread and have the team lead looking at the processor and the processor looking at the LOA and the LOA pissed off at the junior loan officer. And it's really dangerous. And so what I decided a long time ago is every person that I bring onto the team is only gonna have one job, period. The buck stops there and that's what you're responsible for. So myself as the loan officer, my only job is 100 leads a month, period. End of story. If we don't get to 100 leads a month as a team, myself, Justin, and all the support people, then I failed. It's not a matter of looking at somebody else, it's not a matter of blaming anybody else or looking to the next marketing toy, it's Scott Groves is responsible for 100 leads a month. Patrick, who's my right-hand man, he's our pipeline manager, he is only responsible for converting half of those to full applications, fully underwritten applications. The upfront production assistants, they're responsible for making sure every deal that goes into escrow is approvable, and the back-end production assistant is responsible for making sure every deal closes on time. So if we have a deal that doesn't close on time, and it happens once in a while, it's not a matter of passing the buck and who did what and who screwed up the income calculation. It's simply that PA2, the production assistant that does our contract to close, she is ultimately responsible for all of that. So I think delineating the you know, tasks of work and that separation of what I do versus what the other people does allows us to stick to that 80-20 rule and catapult our business to where it's gotten today. So I, I'm looking at our notes here, and, and you've got a very uh, consistent kind of measurement of the metrics, uh, 100 leads every month, 70% to dialogue, 50% to apps, 40% to pre-approved, and 20 to 25 closing. And that's your, that is your system. Yep. So um, run back through, so the upfront team member, number one job is what? Uh, number one job is for our pipeline manager, Patrick is his name, to convert at least at least half of those interactions, we'll call them, to full applications. Okay, and then the uh, contract to closing is? Is uh, every deal closes on time. Okay, so that's their number one job. So number one job. In between. Yeah, and it's really easy, because I can be gone today, yesterday, right. for a week, for a month, and she just knows, hey, I walk in, what is my priority list? She's not looking to be micromanaged, she just knows every deal has to close on time. Patrick knows 50% of uh, interactions need to turn to applications. So instead of me constantly managing and doing a daily two-hour pipeline meeting and grind, it's like they just go off of their key task and everything kind of fills in behind that, which is nice. So um, one of the things that we brought up in our call is that when you simplify somebody's main job, 
uh, there is a, a, a naturalness to enhanced or increased accountability. So talk from a, a leadership standpoint, a team leader standpoint, uh, how, do you, how do you manage accountability given the one thing kind of thinking? Uh, this is kind of embarrassing to admit because I know we've got some great CRM programs out there and everybody here is probably light years ahead of me as far as managing their database. Uh, but I am just an old school spreadsheet guy. Like everything we do is on Google Sheets. All of the leads, all of the tracking. So for me, it's just a matter of going in, you know, sorting by column. I think it's AZ7 is like the 47th column to the right. Uh, I just sort by that column and if we've got a bunch of applications that haven't uh, created a third follow-up, we haven't done a third interaction, we don't have an, an application, then I know that Patrick's not performing to the standard. If I sort by the month and we're only, you know, month to date, we're halfway through the month and we're only at 40 uh, interactions, I know I'm not performing to the standard. So it takes a lot of the anecdotal evidence, it takes a lot of the emotion out of it, and it's just a spreadsheet, you just click and sort, and you say, hey, Patrick, love you to death, we're still gonna go to the movies tonight, but guess what, like, you're not meeting the standard, we haven't converted 50% of the applications. And same thing with my business partner, we've been, you know, flirting with each other for five years, formally went into business with each other about a year ago, and we haven't had a fight yet, because there's nothing personal, there's no, like I said, anecdotal evidence, it's just sort the spreadsheet, look at the data, see who's performing to the standard and who's not, and just move on from there. So that's how we lead. Yeah, pretty powerful. I love that. That's I, the one job. That, that is such a powerful takeaway. So the other thing about having, uh, having leadership by kind of numbers and metrics, spreadsheets, uh, and the one job thing is there's not a lot of confusion, right? I mean, it really comes down to the crystal clarity of the one thing somebody should be doing and where they are in relation to what the monthly goal is that day. And, uh, you know, if they're, if they're over, great. If they're on, great. And if they're behind, great, but you're behind, and right. it's all based on the numerics, yep. no emotion. And, and I'll tell you, the beautiful thing about that is it becomes very, very self-evident when you have to hire the next person. So, you know, I think all of here, all of us here struggle with going to management and saying we need to plug in more bodies, more cost, more overhead. But, you know, I'll give you an, an anecdotal example, which I hate, but for us, uh, one of the things that Justin and I are realizing is that as our team grows, as we have 10, 12, 13 loan officers underneath us, uh, it's taking up a lot more time than we expected to manage them and coach them and bring them along. And so just going back and looking at the metrics, uh, how many five-star reviews are we getting out of our closings? That number has dropped dramatically. So instead of trying to pass the buck, lay blame, you know, see who's having a bad day, it's just like the metric is not there. We're not getting the same number of five-star reviews that we needed to. Our next hire is probably going to be a very seasoned loan officer that can come in and do the client interaction during escrow uh, with Justin and I. And instead of two partners getting in a fight, maybe, you know, pointing fingers and saying, well, you didn't call this person back and it didn't go here. It's just math. And we can look at it and we can say like, hey, it's becoming very self-evident by measuring our business that it's time for the next hire. And you know, the person that we're gonna hire is probably a quarter of a million dollar a year employee to manage start to finish our client interaction. And that would be a really hard pill to swallow and that'd be a lot of money to give up if we weren't looking at the metrics and say, well, that's what it takes to get a five-star review, which is what it takes to get more buyer uh, referrals from the buyer's agents, and that's just the course of business. That's what we have to do to continue to grow our business. So uh, I think it makes it easier for you. There's a very interesting concept in what Scott just uh, dropped, and I want to make sure you got it. If you think about the cost of not getting five-star reviews, 
And one of the stats we know is that out of 25 people that are unhappy, one will actually go out of their way to tell you. The other 24 will continue through the journey, not be vocal, but when it's all over, will never use you again. Okay? And it's very, very, in, in, I think, enlightening to think about what you just said about a quarter of a million dollar employee that's going to be plugged in to help that out. We want to be able to look at what is the, the investment or the cost of hiring in advance of demand fundamentally to produce this overarching brilliant client experience. Because all of you can very simply realize that for every buyer that does not have a five star, back to Tuesday night and, and Wednesday, that one person could not get you the one loan in the next 12 months that you're relying on to get. And so we always do need to look at, at what, does a $5,000 a month, a $7,000 a month you know, associate that's in charge of some of these moving parts that produce the ultimate you know, customer experience, is that worth it? And are you losing more than $84,000 a year by not having at the peak, five star, five star, five star, five star. And that's, that's huge, it's a big, big discovery. I wanna ask you another question before we go down the pipe here. Um, about 12 loan officers, how's that working for you? Wow, that's a loaded question. Uh, you know, I have, a, I have a, a reason I've asked it. But. Yeah, um, you know, what we're finding is if it wasn't myself and Justin a business partnership, there's no way we'd be able to manage 12 because on any given day, you know, there's five or six of them that need assistance with a deal, a sales pitch or something. So, you know, Justin and I, again, probably could make more money if we were on our own, but we've decided that that separation of work, you know, Justin's a great tactician. I would put his knowledge as far as the market and interest rates and movements and bond coupons and all this stuff that I have no interest in learning about uh, above anybody else in the room. Uh, I'm more the leadership, rah, rah, coach people, get them to make their sales calls. So I think 12 people, frankly, would be unmanageable and we would have to bring in a third party sales manager pretty soon. Right now, I think we can get up to about 15 or 20 people because there is that separation of labor. They know, all right, I got a structure question, I got a foreign national bond, da, 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 da. go to Justin. Uh, I need to connect with more realtors, go to Scott. So only because we're a partnership, I think we're okay right now, but we're getting darn near the point where we need to also hire a pipeline manager for the, for the market. Yeah, so let me just say this to everybody as a kind of a blanket, blanket comment. Uh, at the end of the day, nobody here is going to be fundamentally measured for success based on how many LOs you hire, okay? At the end of the day, a well-run team is a team of LOs who play at le the level you set as the playing field. And I want you to be thinking about this because there is, a, there is a constant threat on your time the more people you hire. And I would look to what is my minimum standard for every LO under my leadership that they will fund per year. And I would hold to that because I can bet you almost everything I have against an idea and that is the more you have, the more convoluted the team becomes unless you build it with high performers one at a time. And I wanna just encourage all of you to be thinking about this. You know, I think uh, Brian to our conversations in, in Mexico two years ago and you know, Brian set a pretty, pretty large bar at, at, at his company in Oklahoma City at Cornerstone. And uh, I think last time we checked, the average fundings per year per LO under his leadership is knocking on the door of 200 right around there. Wow. And when you think about that, that's the kind of teams you want to build ultimately. So 
I just want red flag. Nobody gets bigger paychecks by having more people unless the more people are more profitable and productive. Absolutely. Say top mistake you made and how to avoid it. Uh, well, actually, it would be right in this vein. So our market is a little bit different in L.A. The loan amounts are a little bit higher. So I would consider a producing loan officer to be somebody that's doing three loans a month. Uh, somebody who's crushing it is doing 10 to 15 loans a month. And I know that's different for a lot of people in here. You're probably rolling your eyes, but Los Angeles is a, is a bit different. So what we didn't do and what we had to kind of backtrack and do the last six or 12 months is this idea I got from a friend of mine, Chad Coaster, of if you do more than three loans a month, I work for you. If you do less than three loans a month, you work for me. Meaning the people in our branch that aren't meeting the minimum standard, three loans for a million and a half to two million, they are required to be there Monday morning, Wednesday morning, Friday morning, 8.30 to 10.30, making calls with me, going through their deals, and we didn't set that expectation soon enough, so we have a couple rogue loan officers who, in our marketplace at our loan amounts, you know, they can do one loan a month and make 80 to $120,000 a year, but to your point, they're a huge time suck on the resources, the producers, you know, management. So biggest mistake was not setting that expectation early. And now we are with all new hires. Three or more loans, great. I work for you. I'll take your calls. I'll help you build what you want to build. Less than three loan, three or loan less per month, uh, loans per month. And you work for me. You do what I say. You're on my schedule because you haven't proven that you can even get to like the minimum threshold of expectation. Right, expectation management and, and uh, minimum that. standards are huge. I love that. One all right, let's thing. go to can I show one or say one more thing on Scott? One of the things that I want to point out that he has mentioned a couple of times already, he was willing to invest his money into or drop his pay or spend that money or whatever. And what I find a lot of times in the industry, loan officers are like, well, my company doesn't give me an assistant. Well, then are you willing to invest whether it's a drop in your comp, whether it's whatever you are willing to do depending on your position, are you willing to invest into your future? Because at that point, it's also, it's, 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 your, it's your money also. And I, I wanna make sure we point that out because that's a big thing. Yeah. Very good, Scott, good. excellent. Crush. Crush. Morning. <laughs> uh, morning. Who put me on the stage next to this guy, dude? I, oh, I, I know. Well, I t that Scott said that behind stage, and I said, guys, I mean, seriously, then you're having to come up against Miss Vanessa. That would be even tougher. Exactly. Um, all right. So I think that, Scott, I know you're a producing branch manager. David, you're a producing branch manager. I think producing branch managers is probably the hardest job in the mortgage industry because it is a mix of your own production trying to manage that and balance that with also um, making sure that your production is where it needs to be. Right. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. Um, I, I know because I do that every day, so I'm fully aware of that. But um, I want to talk a little bit about your, um, your team. I want to talk a little bit about what you do to balance that because I know that's a big deal for you. Um, and then um, I know that um, you, you, are, you try to be the master of delegating, and I know that's a big deal for you. So let's talk a little bit about that, and then we'll jump into it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, my team is basically uh, myself, and uh, I brought my wife on um, back in 2009. And before that, I had hired quite a few assistants um, to help me. 
I first came to Sales Mastery actually in 2004 and watched this guy on stage talking about, hey, if you, if you want to build your business, you need to have help and hire a loan officer assistant. And so I went to my company and I said, hey, I want to do this. I think I can get my production up and uh, hired my first assistant. And uh, Vanessa and I were talking backstage and it was kind of a train wreck. Um, I just hired the first person I could find that would take the job. I did too. Yeah, I was Horrible. like, will you be my assistant and make this much money? And she's like, yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, perfect. So uh, that didn't work out well. No, it didn't. <laughs> um, so after a few bad hires, I finally started to figure out this, you know, disc profiling and personality tests and, and what did I really want, right? What was going to be best for me? Because like everybody in this room, we're all different. I, I do things a lot different than you guys. Most people are natural salespeople out there. I'm not. Uh, I struggle a lot with prospecting. Um, so I tried to find people that are really good at things that I'm really bad at. And so uh, one of the things that I was really bad at was uh, doing the documentation thing and making sure all the loans get approved and all that stuff. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So I hired my wife, which is right there in, uh, in one of the rows back there. Thank you, baby, for coming. And uh, she's a CPA, and so she was awesome at like making sure all my oh, stuff perfect. is dialed in one the main perfectly, lane, the main perfectly. Lane. And then my next hire was uh, was a guy that was really good at prospecting. He's like a younger guy, really good looking dude. And so I would drag him to all these appointments for me to you know to meet the real estate agents, and they would just love him because they always wanted him to marry their daughter or something like that. <laughs> and so you know we would get business that way, and. Uh, <laughs> hey, whatever works, right? <laughs> got to do what you got to do, right? So, um, and then I, you know, I started having a need for. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Go for it, it was great. Uh -huh. So then I started having a need for more people to come onto my team and just, you know, I, I wanted to change people's lives. You know, I wanted to make their life different, like, like the mortgage business and like coming to this event like you all today. And like Todd Duncan did for me and changed my life. And so I wanted to kind of give back to the industry and help people uh, find success and, and, you know, be excellent at what they do. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about um, your day as a, as an a originator and as a producing branch manager. What, because I know you try to be very structured in your day and you try to delegate as much as you can. So not delegate as I'm not going to tell you how to do it, just do it. You, you're very structured in that. Tell us a little bit about that, because I think that's important, especially how many producing branch managers do we have in the room? Quite a bit. How many of you guys agree it's the hardest job in the, in the industry? Yeah? Okay. A little more verbal there? Yes? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you guys awake this morning? I know, I know. It really is. T-shirts coming up. Uh, exactly, exactly. So tell us a little bit about how, how you work through that. So um, I've, like all my, the things that I've done in, in my career, they, they all never work out right the first time. You just have to keep getting better every mm -hmm. day. So delegation is one of those things. Like I would just go up to somebody and be like, here, take care of this for me. And I'd walk away and be on to the next thing, um, which I do not recommend that to anybody. No. So uh, one of the things that I've learned is that you've got to explain things to people and tell them when you expect it to be done, you know, what they're doing, why they're doing it, and how quickly you want it to be done. And so um, when I delegate, I still do it wrong today, uh, but 
if you're more clear on what you're looking for, like, hey, I need for you to call this borrower by noon, and the reason you're calling them is to take a loan application or something like that, mm -hmm. and you're giving clear direction, then that's when you're going to be most successful at delegation. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, I try and delegate as much stuff as I can uh, to the people that are best at what they do. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not the best at, uh, there's a lot of people in here that are way better than me at you know, meeting realtors and getting out of their comfort zone. I just try and do it every day because I want to be consistent and I want to be consistent in my results. You guys are very um, structured uh, with checklists and such and making sure that every step, you know, the next step is, um, is done and efficiently and such. I know in our team, we, um, everything is the next step, the next step, the next step, and everything's checklist. So someone can walk in and see exactly where they are in the step. We call it the Mack truck theory, mm -hmm. which is if someone gets by, hit by a Mack truck, someone else can sit down and know exactly where they are in that file. And um, so um, I know you guys are very structured in your team. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, check, to me, checklists, like I hate writing checklists. Um, I think we all, we're all salespeople in here, so we're all the same. Uh, and so what I would normally do is, like Linda said, when I hire somebody, you know, I, I want them to know what they're doing, right? I don't want to just bucks. hire. <laughs> Can I grab that real quick? Hundred bucks. <laughs> um, so you know what happened in the old days, don't you? Uh, yeah, Todd would go and answer the I phone. Ha I have a reputation of getting cell phones that ring and interrupt the seminar and throwing them against a wall and I destroying I've seen you do that before. You remember That'd that? I've seen you do it before. <laughs> 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 wow, they are on top of it today. <laughs> And All I'll right. tell you, <clears throat> this, is a, this is a quick lesson on the value of time. So um, the last time I did it, about a week later, I got a letter from the guy in the audience uh, who, whose phone I took and, and broke. And um, he, he started the letter off by saying, your seminar was by far the best seminar I have ever attended in my entire life. And even though you broke my phone, you taught me the value of time. Please find attached the invoice and my paycheck for the month because I'm billing you $785 for the time it took me to drive to the store, wait at the store, get my new phone, and come back to my office. Again, thank you for the awesome seminar. Did you pay it? I, I paid him. I said, I said, I am blown away by your creativity and your stick to itiveness and thank you for the letter and P.S. I'm never going to break a phone again. <laughs> you should have sent him a so bill. So you are really, 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 really lucky. Those were the days. They you could have just sent him a bill for how much money you taught him. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah.